Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses for an audience of entrepreneurs. Many of you out there are selling things online. Many, most. All right. Turns out, in some cases, you have to pay sales tax. Well, I had a buddy of mine bust, really basically have to deal with the headaches of this. I, I want to keep it clean here. It's a really frustrating situation. I saw him in my office, try to figure out how can he just deal with this sales tax issue and then move on. I would have told him, you know what, just don't deal with it for a little bit. He instead was looking all over for solutions. Turns out there's a solution. It's today's guest. He's the one who created the solution. It's Scott McFarlane. He is the founder of Avalara. If you're selling things online, you just connect in with them. They deal with the sales tax issues. It's their headaches, not yours. And uh, that's just a small part of their business. They actually are all about tax compliance. Does not seem like a fun industry. It's not. God love him. Let it be Scott's headache and let it be Scott's not fun. Uh, he's smiling. He's always so happy. I've seen every photo of him. The guy looks like he's good. Maybe he's partially good because he's the guy who also created the life cycle bikes that we've seen for years. And he created another company that he sold to another company earlier on in his career. And, 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 and we're going to find out all about that here in this interview and learn how a guy who's built several successful companies has done it and what we could take away from it. We could do it thanks to uh, HostGator, my sponsor. If you need a website hosted, I'm going to tell you later why you should go to HostGator.com slash Mixergy. First, Scott, what's the revenue that you guys are pulling in with Avalara? You know, I mean, uh, uh, we've been really fortunate. You know, I've been at this for 17 years. We, you know, we built a company from zero and, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're, we passed a, a, a half a billion dollars and we're on our way to a billion dollars. So half a, half a billion dollars in, wait, in, in revenue to you or in taxes that you've, in, in taxes no, that in you've revenue, processed? No, in revenue to us. Annually? In, in revenue to us. Yeah, annually. You're doing half a billion dollars in annual revenue? We are. We are. Good Lord. We, you know what? We took the company public in 2018 on the New York Stock Exchange. So it's been quite a ride. And it's all fully public. All fully public. All right. I want to get into the good stuff of how you got it here, but let me ask you this. I looked at Lifecycle. I went back to their website from the early years. I, I see in the early years here, it says Lifecycle was known as Life Fitness, and it was created by a guy named Dr. Keen Dimmick. I confronted you with this in the beginning of the interview. You said, well, let me tell you, there's a great story there. I said, you know what? As long as you don't feel confronted, let me ask you in the interview, what's the deal there? How is it that you're the creator, but I don't see the it online. Creator is it, it, so, so the way that it, it took place, you know, I, I went to school in, in, in California, a school called Claremont McKenna College. My roommate and I, you know, we were always looking for the next big thing. Everybody else was trying to figure how they were going to get into management, you know, management school and business school. And, and we're like, nah, screw that. Let's, let's go out and actually let's create a business. So while we were in our dorm rooms in college, we came across this idea to create, of all things, jogathon. So a jogathon, you know, that's where you go, you run around and people sponsor you and, 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 okay. and, and, and our athletic department wanted us to do it. So we, we created, so we did the jogathon, we raised a bunch of money and we came across this idea that said, you know, if we became a distributor of weight equipment, we could actually double because they get a 50% discount. So they, we can double our buying power by, by, by becoming a distributor. And so it was really, it's cool. So instead of $60,000 we raised, we got $120,000 worth of fitness equipment for our athletic pro program. Ah, okay. And, and in doing so, we became these distributors. And then people started calling us because this is right in the day of when fitness was really changing. I'm old enough to be around when, you know, people were like, ah, shit, I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, 
I'm not going to do uh, uh, fitness, you know, I mean, I mean, meat and potatoes and smoking and sick, I mean, and drinking, <laughs> that's what everybody was into. You know, they really weren't into it. And, 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 but we per- persevered and we started selling things to Nautilus fitness centers, to racquetball cl- clubs. And, and we became one of the biggest distributors you know, in the, in the Southern California area, we had all of our football, you know, all of our football team members, our track team members, you know, we had all the athletes. So you turned this thing into this jogathon thing into a business, into a business. And you got to, you and your, your buddy got to keep the profits from this business. Yeah, we did. We started this out and we, and we, and we rented out a Safeway shopping, I mean, a Safeway store and we had all of our equipment in it. We had our offices back there. You know, we would, we, we were running a business while we were going to school and playing football, you know, and, and track and the like. And so we? With, with all of our friends, it was great. And then one day this dude, you know, I mean, the doctor that, you, you mm-hmm. know, you mentioned, he walks into our office and says, Hey, I got this idea called, you know, life cycle. I don't even know if he had caught a name for it, to, to be honest with you. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. And, and um, he said, this is, it's great. You know, it, it revolutionizes the way people do um, you know, fitness around riding a bike, because before it was just those Schwinn bikes that, you know, I don't know if anybody remembers what they were, but they were just sitting, I mean, they were awful. What was and, it? It was Schwinn bikes attached to some kind of uh, trainer so that they could yeah, do. It was just, no, no, it, it, you were just on your own. You know, oh. you were just in a gym and it was, it was, it looked like a, I mean, it was mechanic. I mean, it looked like a, it wasn't electronic at all. And the life life cycle was the first one that actually gave you a display screen of how you were performing. Okay. And and so it said, okay, you're halfway up the hill, and and it did that. And and we said, oh yeah, this is great. We'll 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 take it on. So he gave us all of the uh, distribution rights for you know uh, the the world, and he said you know, have at it. You guys, you know, I'm turning it over to you. He all. Just, I'm all he did was he created it. He said, I don't want to be the guy marketing it and getting excited about renting out a Safeway shop. I don't need that agita. You take it on Scott. You take it on. You take, okay. it's all, you know, it's all, on, it's, it, it's, it's all on your own. I'm going to, you know, okay. you pay me some, you know, some money and it's, it's all yours. And so okay. we took it and we, you know, we, we, we started designing the outside package the way you see it. And we started selling it and, I, it's it, this is the way I talk about uh, business in general, right? Uh-huh. Your camera, I mean, by the way, about- just dropped down. You did the coolest thing. Camera wasn't working on the computer. You said, I know a guy. Guy comes in, brings a brand new camera, connects it into the system within like two minutes. I got to get, get that right. I got to okay. get that right. So sorry. You were saying that you, you took it over and? Yeah. So, you know, so we took this, we, we took this on and this isn't a time when I think, I mean, this is really, when I look back on my career, I mean, this was really the start of who I am around business, right? Because it, this is the thing that we were doing with Life Fitness was not selling a computerized bike, right, for fitness. What we were doing is taking on status quo of people not wanting to exercise and to make uh. exercise important. And so that, I mean, my, my partner, um, I mean, really was responsible for doing it as much as anybody, you know, he's in the fitness hall of fame because he and a, you know, a couple of other people are credited with aerobic fitness and making it a big deal. And, and I mean, when we were selling it status quo was, Hey, I I don't want to do it. I don't need to do this. It's not And our pitch was, Hey, listen, if you get on this bike and if you ride it three days a week, and if you rise it for 20 minutes every day, you're going to live longer. Our first year of life cycle, we sold nine bikes. 
we could only find nine people in the world that wanted to live longer. I mean, I mean, it was just really hard because, you know, people weren't out doing what it is today. Um, and so taking on status quo, it's a badass competitor and you've got to change things. And I'll give you one quick story. Mm -hmm. When we, when we bought out the doctor, we had to pay a little bit of money and we had to have marketing dollars and everything. So I went to my dad and I said, Hey dad, you know, we need $35,000. Would you invest, you know, in, in life, life cycle? And he's like, cause it was life cycle first. And then it became life fitness because we went beyond the a bikes. computerized bike and we added a you know rowing machine we added you know uh, uh a, 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 a you know a stair master a stair stepper and 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 that's how it became life fitness but back then it was life cycle would you invest in life cycle he said son i'm not investing in it i mean nobody wants to work out it's just not going to happen and my dad was an entrepreneur and he had a whole bunch of hotels what type uh, of I hotels mean, by the way What's that? What type of hotels? Well, you know what? Sorry, let's, I'll come back to your so, dad because so he's fascinating. Hotels. We can get to that in a second. Yes, yes, yes. I, you know, I keep interrupting. I'm fascinated hotels, by you. And I'm like, Dad, I'm telling you, we could put fitness centers in hotels and, and people will come. And he's like, son, nobody's going to come to a hotel and work out. I mean, it's just not going to happen. I'm not investing in the company. Um, and so that's what we were up against this norm. I mean, if, if you can't sell your own father in, 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 in doing it, I mean, it's a hard sale, but we, I mean, we persevered and I left after about four years of doing it. And my roommate, Augie Nieto, I mean, was just unbelievable. And he is really the person who made, you know, life cycle, life fitness, what it is today. I mean, I was a bit player in the beginning, you know, I, we, we, you know, we jointly did it. We jointly got it going. It was fun, but he took it in and he made it, he made it what it is today. So I can't take credit. I can't take any credit for that, but it was a great ride and it was a great lesson. He ended up selling it to Bally Fitness, the company that had all those studios everywhere, the, the early yeah, gyms. Yeah, Bally Fitness. And then he sold it to Brunswick. Um, okay. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's right up there with all the household names. And then apparently he created Quest Software, the company that he sold to Dell. You know, he was involved in, in with Quest. He was involved okay. with Quest. They wasn't, he wasn't the founder of it. Uh, um, I see. Okay. There are other people, but he was involved. He was involved with it and it did get sell, sold and, and I mean, he's just amazing. He's, he's unfortunately today he has ALS. I see. Um, it's one of the ironies of 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 the whole of the whole thing, but uh, he's doing okay. Because he raised money for ALS over the years. Is that what you mean? Yeah. No. Well, he he has ALS and okay. and and um, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, and it's amazing because he started a foundation called Augie's Quest and. And he's, um, you know, raised 60 to $100 million, some ridiculous amount to, to solve that, you know, uh, uh, insidious uh, disease. I see it. I'm looking him up, by the way, as we're talking. That's where I'm coming up with all this. There's a documentary about him called Augie. I, yeah, the man seems amazing. He is amazing. He is amazing. Sorry, I interrupt. I hate that I interrupted you earlier, but it was no. only because I got so excited about you brought up your dad. And I, and I was so fascinated by him. You said you grew up watching him build this this hotel company what kind of hotels what were you watching so you know he started out with you know one hotel and and then he started uh you know the with with, with uh uh the stouffer family started stouffer hotels and then it became clarion hotels i mean all told i think there were 500 hotels when it was all said and done that he was you know that they either owned or managed 
um, around the around the country. You know, thirty five thousand employees. You know, he took the company public. So I just watched that. You know, I mean, I was just at his you know, at his foot, and I worked in the company. After I left Lifecycle, I went to go work with my dad for you know ten 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 or twelve years, something like that. And your vision for yourself was: you like the business, you want to continue, you wanted to run it one day. Is that right? I did. I, you know, I, I grew up watching this thing and there was just, so, I loved everything about it. You know, I, I mean, I went to, you know, architectural school for, for a while. I mean, I just wanted to immerse myself in, you know, in, in, in doing it. And I love the concept of, it was a unique company. I mean, they had a unique spin on it. it was, it was fresh, lively. I mean, they had a great culture and, and I wanted to run it. I mean, I definitely wanted to run it. My dad was, you know, training me to, you know, to, to run it until he came to me and said, son, I got some good news and I got some bad news. The good news for me is I've sold the company. The bad news is they don't want you around here anymore. <laughs> wow, really? Yeah. Okay, because you're the owners or the, the past founder's dad, uh, yeah, exactly. son, that kind of thing, got it, okay. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So they you... wanted to bring in their own crew and you know, it was a foreign-based foreign com you know, you know, company, so I, I, was, I, was, I was out of a job and it was devastating. Wow. And so what did you end up doing next? You know, I thought, you know, I thought that I was going to just follow in his foot traps and start my own hotel business and start doing that. But it takes out, it take, you know, I, it, I found out over time that, you know, it, it takes a whole lot of money to be able to uh, uh, build a hotel and get it financed. And, you know, and when you, when you have the backing of a big company, all these things, you know, seem easy, but when you're on your own, it wasn't quite as easy, you know, it wasn't quite as easy as, 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 I, as I thought. And so, you know, we gradually, I mean, we did some projects, we gradually did some things, but then a friend of mine came and said, Hey, I'm in the, you know, I've, I've got a startup company in Seattle and we're doing software and, you know, we need somebody that, you know, sort of with your entrepreneurial you know, startup skills and, you know, would you like to join the company? And, and I, and I joined that company and I haven't looked back in the software space since then. So that was probably 1992. Um, you know, we had this idea that we were going to automate for managed healthcare um, uh, uh, mental mental health, right? So it was really in the it was in the uh, it was in the um, uh, uh, medical space, and that we were going to solve that problem. And and my my now partner, my then I mean my partner was uh, in that company as well. My first job was to fire him. Um, he's the owner's son. And so my first job in this company was to fire the owner's son. Um, and, and we actually said, because I was like, well, why do we need to fire him? He said, well, you know, we, we've been working on this solution. It's a proprietary messaging solution, and we're using Novell. And he keeps looking at this thing called Microsoft, and he's playing with the Internet. We just can't have him doing that stuff. I mean, he's got to focus on what we need him to do. And, and so they fired him because, you know, he was just way out in front of everything. And, and but they did, we, we didn't really exactly fire him. We said, hey, why don't you go start your own company? Obviously, you've got some ideas about this. So we gave him a closet. I mean, I mean, I mean, a closet, a real closet. And that was his office. And, and, and we, we, you know, he could use our, you know, public space. And he, he said, you know, I think Microsoft NT and I think the Internet has legs. I'm going to create the first commercial version of a DNS and DHCP server for Microsoft NT. 
because Microsoft did not work on the internet until Jared and his thing, I mean, his idea came along and made it commercially viable. And so he had this idea and he put out the company, this, this thing, and they, they, they said they were going to sell a hundred of these in, in one year. And they, they put it out. They got a little bit of press back in the day. They sold a hundred in their first day. Wow. And, and um, it became, you know, a ubiquitous solution for, you know, if you're going to be on the internet, you need, you need a DNS and a DHCP server, you know, for Microsoft. And it just went crazy, but it was a, an idea that was short lived over time because obviously Microsoft was going to build it into its operating system and it wasn't really. And so you, we needed a second act. And, 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 and anyways, that's a, I mean, that's how we got going, but what was your involvement in that business? So the, the pair, the fathers came to me and said, Hey, I mean, uh, now that we fired Jared and he's got this great idea, he has no idea how to run it. Scott, would you leave, you know, the medical company and would you go with Jared and help him run the company? And I'm like, okay. hell yes, I would. And and so I became the president of the company. Jared was the CEO and we, you know, we we grew the business with one other partner and then sold it to Checkpoint Software out of Israel. The the company I interviewed their founder, he's, I think, Israel's first billionaire, this uh, cybersecurity company. Yeah. I yeah. worked for Gil. I worked did. for Gil. I did. You know, he sat and he wouldn't, he, you moved a lot in this interview. He sat down and moved so much. I was worried he was going to fall over. I asked him about it. He said, my whole life I've been like this. Was he like that when you saw him? Oh yeah. He was the, he was the greatest. I mean, really, I mean, I just had so much fun. I mean, that was one of the greatest gigs of my entire my Why? What did you love life. about it? Well, I mean, just so much. One, it, it just followed, you know, everything that I'd been involved in, right? We started Lifecycle. It really is brand new. You know, Jared with with uh, uh, you know Meta Info and uh, DNS and DHCP it was brand new. You know, going out there and Gil and Checkpoint. I mean, it, when we joined it in 1997, I mean, it was just newly public, and the and the firewall hadn't really. Made, I mean, it was important, but it wasn't the the way it is today. So security was this new, a brand new area that was going to be big. And so I, I got, I mean, I got to be on the ground level, you know, working with Gil, you know, Gil Schwed and Jerry Ungerman, you know, two great mentors of mine about how you, you know, how you, you know, start up a company and how you grow it and how you take it public and, you know, how you make it global. And I think that that's the one thing that I learned more than anything else. When you think about a company coming out of Israel, I mean, the day it opens its doors, it's a global com company because there is no business in Israel. I mean, limited, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a small country. Yeah. So you, when we start a company here in the United States, we're saying, well, let's go tackle the United States and it's the biggest right. market. And so we get pigeonholed into thinking United States, rest of world. I mean, and I just think that that's a, uh, in today's world, just a, a, fa a failed sort of, you know, vision because everything is global today. So and what did so, you learn about going global from him? I remember one of the things he told me was as soon as they started the company, he was told to go to California and not come back until he had at least a million dollars in sales, that he had to go and prove himself there. But you seem to have learned a bigger lesson about how to grow internationally. So they wanted to go. I mean, so when, when, was, when, you, when we joined the company, they would say, let's go have a leadership meeting. Let's go, let's go have a leadership meeting. And we think, well, let's go have a leadership meeting. Let's go to San Francisco or let's go to Austin or let's go to Washington, D.C., there, I was blown away because they said, okay, this leadership meeting is going to be in Prague. And the next one is in Barcelona. Next one's in Washington, D.C. The next one's in San Francisco. The world, they viewed the world. 
as the world, as opposed to, okay, I mean, you know, we're just going to, you know, we're going to focus on, you know, one, one, one part of the, uh, one part of the world. They were meaning what, setting up go. offices all over the world too, and yes. leaders all over the world. Got yes. it. So you're saying the difference is between saying we're going to make ourselves available to anyone who wants to come to us, to our website and buy versus we're going to establish people all over the world. God, I think that's what you're saying. And it's pre, this was pre internet as a, as a, as a global marketplace. Right. right? I mean, so, so, you, you know, they were still selling in country, but their view was just entirely global. I mean, it's just, it's, a, it was amazing, right. To watch a company out of Tel Aviv, you know, grow to, you know, to, to what it has. And, and, you know, it was really fun being, it was really fun being involved in it. I mean, I mean, truly it, it really set, me up for what we're doing today. I mean, forever grateful for for that for that opportunity. All right, I want to find out about that. That's the heart of this interview. But before we go into that, tell me about um, did did change your life at all for this company to have been sold? Did you have enough equity that you I don't know that you'd made it in some way? You know, um, it it was it was a it was a I mean it was a substantial it was a substantial sum. I mean, you know, back then. And, and it was, it's just really interesting. I, I mean, I learned, you know, I learned a lot about, about, you know, how you help, you know, help yourself when you get into those kinds of situations, because I made all the bloody mistakes that you could possibly make. I mean, really, seriously, I mean, um, it, you know, the company, you know, it's an Israeli company, um, you know, there's wars going on, you know, um, and, and people are shooting missiles over there and you're like, oh, holy crap. I mean, is my equity that I just, you know, sold my company for going to be real? I mean, you know, it's this company's doing unbelievable. Is it all real? You know, Microsoft comes out and says they're going to win security and the stock drops, you know, you know, uh, 75%. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, I think I just need to sell a bunch to make sure my kids can go to college. And, you know, so, you know, I got out, you know, I got, I, I mean, I took the conservative route. And then the stock rallied and it was, you know, one of the darlings of all, I mean, of all, uh, um, you know, software and, you know, Gil became the first billionaire and he's on the Forbes list and because he believed, right. I mean, he fundamentally believed in it and was willing you know, to go through the good and the bad times. And, and I didn't, I, I chick, I chickened out early on and, um, I mean, it was a really valuable lesson, and and thankfully, I got a second bite at the apple, you know, with with Av- with Avalara. So you're you know a lot smarter and wiser, you know, having gone gone you know gone through the whole programs. But but it was it was interesting. All right, Avalara. The idea came to who from where? So I, I'm I'm at checkpoint, and I'm thinking that you know it's about time for me to you know move on to do something else and and figure out what we're going to do again. Although I just loved it, and but it was just it was just time to go on and. My partner, um, you know, uh, Jared, the guy we fired, the guy we, you know, did all the stuff with, I mean, he was like, he, he was like Billy, you know, the Billy and all the, uh, the jokes that you tell. I mean, Billy was like knocking on my door. Hey, Scott, come out and play, come out and play. Because he'd left Checkpoint. He'd left the, the company. He was on his own and he wanted to go do something else. And he was always constantly saying, let's go do something. Come on, Scott, okay. come on, let's go. Of out course, the guy who came up with the internet idea back when no one else believed in the internet is going to keep coming up with new ideas. All right. So he's coming to you. What's give me an example of one of his past ideas that you didn't pursue together. You know, I mean, uh, I, 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 listen, that would be hard to, that would be hard to, that would Nothing be hard memorable. to do. Okay. I mean, we've got, I mean, you know, 
he's got just tons of ideas about okay. you know all all sort. I mean, just all sorts of things, really. And 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 he's always saying, hey, we should go do this or we should go do that. And you know, early on, you know, because I was always because I'd always get asked the question like, what's the next big thing? Okay. You know, and and and. I mean, I don't think you think two seconds about what the next big thing is because I got to solve the problems I got in front of me. But so I went to Jared and I'm like, Jared, what's the next big thing? And this was back in the day. And he's like, you know, you know, everybody's talking about, you know, uh, you, you know, the automation, I mean, driving automation and, you know, all those kind of things. But he's like, you know, I think cryptocurrency. <laughs> I mean, this is said, back then. Think, oh, this was a long time Before ago. Before Bitcoin. Yeah, well, just just, oh, just, just right at that, right, okay. you know, right. He said, I, I just think, you know, that this is going to be a revolution and, you know, we should invest in it early on because it's going to be like a railroad company. You know, you always hear those people that had the, the stock certificates, you know, that, that, that show up, you know, in, in, in some yep. trunk and, and, and like, he said, that's what it is. We're just going to invest in it. And so he's created a business and, and, and early on, you know, so that's the kind of thing that, what was know, the business that, that he created? I, I didn't see that. What, what's the cryptocurrency business he created? Well, I mean, we, 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 I mean, we, we had lots of ideas around it and we just had a general, a general, oh, got it. General it wasn't that he program. created anything. He was just, he wanted to come up with a business idea for it. We, we created, you know, we, we, we created some, some products and then we were helping a bunch of people because we were pretty, we had, you know, a partner that was pretty, I mean, expert in the whole area. And so, you know, we would do, you know, projects for him. We would get paid in, in cryptocurrency and, um, you know, it, it was really, it was just, it was a fun, it was just fun. It was fun to do. Um, do you actually now have like the equivalent of those old stock certificates somewhere where like you've got a Bitcoin USB thumb drive or something? Yeah. So, so yeah, some, someplace somewhere, you know, okay. that, that we, we, yeah, someplace somewhere, Jared has it all, 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 all. Way to go, away, Jared. So this is Jared Voigt. Uh, yeah, Oct? it is. Vote. Okay. Jared Vote. Jared Vote. Okay. So he had the idea for this. Am I right? Yeah. So, so Jared came to me and he said, Scott, I met this guy and we live on a place called Bainbridge Island outside mm -hmm. of Seattle. And he goes, I met this person and he came up to me and he said, I got this idea and it's sales tax automation. And he, he listened to Rory, Rory Rawlings was the guy. And he, you know, this is a lot like, you can see a pattern here. This is a lot like the doctor coming into life cycle. He says, I got this idea. I don't know what to do with it. Um, do you guys, you know, how, would you help, would you help me? And, and we said, yeah, sure. We'll help you. And, and he said, but you got to talk to Scott and, you know, Jared went off to London and, you know, for the holidays and I, I meet with him over the, you know, over Thanksgiving and, and uh, Rory tells me a thing and I'm like, oh my God, this is an unbelievable idea. Unbelievable. We can take this and make it huge. What, what was the idea? What was the kernel of the idea that so got you that excited? Is this. I mean, here's, let's, it's, it's, at its basic level, sales tax is the last thing to be automated in the magic moment of commerce. Okay. I mean, when you say buy, you know, you know, you do fraud, you know, you do, you know, payment processing, fraud, you do freight, you do all these things. And huge businesses have been built around all of the magic moment of commerce. The only thing that had never been solved what what in this magic moment was the man getting paid, you know, the government getting its due. And and so Rory had this idea that you could use what we now call the cloud, what we now call SaaS, to build out an engine that would calculate, store the information to the calculation, and then do the reporting and remittance back to the states. Essentially what it is. And so think about this. Sales tax was, 
was thought of 5,000 years ago by the Egyptians. Our company was, our country was founded on a sales tax dispute and nobody had solved this problem because it was a technical problem. It was a technical problem, not a sales tax problem because it had to be automated in the moment because sales tax is transactional, unlike payroll or something like that that can happen in batch. Sales tax has to happen you know, when you're on the phone, when you're on, an e you know, on a website, you know, e-commerce site, whether you're checking out at, you know, on a POS, it has to be real time and people won't wait around for it. So it required broadband internet to come along. And with broadband internet, we could calculate sales tax in real time behind the scenes and, and, and hand you the, the, the correct amount or hand the uh, uh, accounting packages the correct amount um, and, and people would pay it and move on because For whom, because this is 2004 where the idea originated, yep. I think, right. Amazon yep. was not collecting sales tax nationwide back then. No, right? but so all businesses had of? to Andrew see all businesses, whether, whether, whether might, whether Amazon collects it or not, I mean, you're responsible for it. Whether you, right. you go so, to jail if you don't collect sales tax. But who did? You, but they. But if Amazon didn't see the need to do it, Shopify stores didn't exist. But all those local merchants, they certainly didn't see the need. Who did you see and say they are going to need us? It was bigger customers. Who are they? So it, it, it look at everybody has to pay. If you had a physical presence in a state, you might you had to collect sales tax. So. I mean, any company that you went in and bought, you know, groceries from or what you, hardware or you bought shoes or whatever, you had to pay sales tax. But only right if you're, right. the, if you're selling locally, your system, your register handles it for you. That, that's right. But who, who did you imagine your first customers would be for this? So, so the biggest customers, you know, if you're a Walmart, you have customers in all 50 states. I mean, you know, so if you're selling, you know, in multiple states, you you had physical and had physical presence, and, you had to collect that. And this is when they were selling online or selling in stores? In stores, in, in stores, stores online. And how were they doing it before you? Or with salespeople, they would they would do it manually. They what do would you mean? do this all manually. So all accounting packages, I mean, uh, deal with sales tax manually. So, you know, you put in your own rates, you know, you put in all of the stuff that you have to do and Got you're it. typing that all in manually. And then when you create an invoice, it tells the accounting package how to, to calculate the sales tax. Got it. Uh, but in, for, for Walmart, there was no invoice. It was just a register. Someone put that number into the register and that wasn't an issue that they said, I wish somebody would create software in the cloud that would solve for us. But if you had Salesforce, if you had a Salesforce that was, uh -huh. I mean, going out and selling, like if you're selling anything, right? Software, okay. you know, you went out there, you, you know, you, you send an invoice to that company to pay sale. So you had to pay sales tax, right? So their businesses all over are paying sales tax. And then how were they doing it when they were selling uh, on their own? Were they, were they looking it up in a book somewhere? No, they were doing it all. They were looking it up in their book, entering it into their accounting package. Ah. And then, and then the accounting package took that information and okay. and uh, and created the right invoice with the right with the right tax. And this is kind of like exercising, where you said your dad doesn't believe that hotels need a, need a workout room. Other people don't believe in it. We sell only nine of these, but I know the world is going to eventually realize that this is good for them and it's the right thing to do, and they're going to do it. I mean, but think about this, right? I mean, think about it. In a digital world, the concept of ca calculating sales tax manually, 
and then and then the government coming like they do in Robin Hood, you know, with you know the sheriff of right. Nottingham comes and knocks on your door and says, "Pay me my money." is absurd in a digital world. It's all going to be automated. Of course, I, mean, I just concept- I I think I had this vision back then when you started that the internet companies were going to win the war against sales tax collected outside of the city that they were in. That Amazon's ploy was to say we are located in Seattle. This is where we pay taxes. Congratulations to all the people who live outside of here. You don't pay taxes because it's not a responsibility. I thought they were going to win that argument. And it seems like you're saying even if they would have won that argument, there were a lot of other businesses that were in a different situation and weren't going to win it. And probably Amazon was going to lose that. And and you were right on all counts. Am I am I guessing right? I think that that's a look all businesses have this problem. So there was a big thing beyond Amazon. Amazon stuck it out as long as they could. But it's a losing battle because it's just unfair, right? I mean, it's unfair to brick and mortar stores. Cooler heads were going to prevail. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody was going to be on a level playing on a level okay. playing field. And, and so we did see that. And we, and we believe that technology would actually compensate, you know, businesses because they wouldn't, ha- I mean, they don't have liability, you know, they don't, you know, the, you know, they have to spend all that extra time to do all this stuff that's meaningless. It doesn't help their business. Yeah, so, no, so no kidding. And, and, and the accountant will freak you out. My accountant said, you, if you're, if you have to pay sales tax and you're not paying it, like you said, it's jail. This is not a small thing. Like right. I forgot. Okay. I'm with you on this. You like the idea. What was the next step that you took in order to get it off the ground, to get it out of say Rory's daughter's bedroom into Jared's garage? What was that next evolution? So, so what we did is we rallied the, we rallied the troops because of our, our experience with checkpoint and selling the company. I mean, we had, I had a built-in group of people that were like loyal followers to the, you know, to the cause. So we knocked on their door and said, Hey, come back. We got this great idea. And, and so we're like, but we can't pay you. So you have to work for free for the first year. Um, and so everybody's like, okay, I'm in. Um, and, 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 and that's really what we did. So we got an office, we, we took Rory's you know, idea. We started to build it out. You know, um, you know, Rory was really amazing because he's like a 10X developer, you know, those kind of people that can you know, see something and then make it happen and we could get it out there. And, 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 and we created something that, I mean, I, I think is, I think was really unique. And the way I talk about it now is, you know, everybody talks about minimally viable products, right? You just got to get it out into the market. And, and I think we did a good job of being a, 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 a minimally viable product. But I've coined this phrase afterwards that it's not enough to be minimally viable. You have to be emotionally viable. And so when we talk to businesses about easing their burden on sales tax, they're like, damn, I'm in. I mean, you know, they were rooting for us to 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 succeed because it was so painful, and because so, it was so painful. Can, can give me an example of a business that was that excited that they would have been willing to be one of your first customers before everything was just right. You know, the way I'll, I mean, the way I'll answer that question is is what we were skeptical, like you, like you were a little bit, you know, when Rory came to us, and so we said, okay, you know, Jared and I said we'll give you the money. But we want to dole it out. We want to, you know, we want to research this a little bit more. And so we would go out to businesses and we would say, hey, we want to talk to you about sales tax. And we'd be talking to the owner and, and they're like, oh, not really a problem. Not, not really. I mean, it, it's we got it. And then we say, well, could we ask your controller? And so the controller would come in and the, and the, and the, and the, and the controller would go, oh, my God. 
This is the hardest thing on earth. And so there was this disconnect between, you know, the business owner and the people actually having to do the work. And we're like, okay, I mean, we're onto it. And we just heard this story time and time, you know, again. What's an example of a business that, what do they do that, that was, a, that had a controller that was into this? So, I mean, the, one of the first companies that we did, um, uh, they were a, a an online purveyor and they had they sent out gift baskets okay and so they sent out gift baskets and it's famous and it's and it's huge you know they they sell it all over the place and you go online and you buy hey i want this one but in a gift basket everything is taxed differently cheese is oh, taxed differently than a right. jar that's taxed different right. than this right, and right. so it was a nightmare right i mean everything every like every amount in that in that um basket had to be you know had to be taxed differently and 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 we were able to solve that problem for them got it all right i see that all right so now you have the software I mean, think about it think about another one because people don't really talk about this one you're gonna buy a you know, back in the day, if you have physical presence, you you um you have tax, right? A sports team, a sports team has fifty has fifty different players, and they all live in different states. So and they're tax you, based on that. Yeah, of course, because physical presence. Your 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 employees are living in different places, and so when you go online to buy a hat or a jersey or a shirt. Because they have nexus in all 50 states, they have to know all the different different rules. And in the United States, there's 12, over 12,000 taxing jurisdictions in the United States. 12,000. I mean, it. think about that. A company that's selling all over the United States has to know 12,000 different taxing rates. Okay. I'm now seeing why there's so much excitement for it. I wonder who the first customer is, but before I get into that and then figure out what the first version looked like, let me just say my first sponsor, my only sponsor for this episode is HostGator. Scott, if I always like in these HostGator ads to ask if you were starting today, let's say maybe even as a teenager, what idea would you have that if I gave you a HostGator website, you would start launching on, on that site? Do you have an idea that's rattling around your head or direction that you'd go in? Wow. I mean, there, there's, um, I mean, there, there are so many, there's so many ideas that, that, that you can come up with. And, and, and I don't have one that I would say, you know, if I were going to do it, you know, right now, um, I, I'm invested in some, you know, really unique, unbelievable, you know, areas, I think like, uh, like how, I mean, one is, one is how do you preserve fruit longer? Ah, yes. You know, so you can get strawberries 90 days, you know, later in the cycle. And, 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 and what are they doing I mean, to preserve it longer? There, there's, there's ways of you can, you know, using, you know, special packing methods and, and, and That's what uh, I've seen plant-based packaging seems like, or like a, a film around the fruit that's plant-based. Is that the direction they're going in? No, I mean, that's what I think this is more containerized, right? So when they're shipping it, you know, out of South America, you know, and out of China, I mean, or to China or, you know, all the different places that the, that the way that they ship them, you know, will actually preserve, you know, uh, the fruit longer. So, I mean, there's just fantastic ideas. But what I like about the, these kinds of ideas, if you're going to have an idea, have an idea that impacts the world. 
right? I mean, that, that really, if you're going to go to all the trouble of doing a startup and you do something, I mean, have an idea that really can really make a huge difference. Mm. That's what I tell everybody, because the amount of work that you have to do for a big idea and a small idea, just about the same. All right. Listen up, everyone, whether you're whether you've got your idea now or you're about to be hit with it, HostGator's got you covered. They'll host your website right. They'll do it inexpensively and dependably. They've been doing it for me for years, and I highly recommend them. I saved a lot of money by switching over to HostGator, and the site works great. All you have to do if you want to get started is not just go to HostGator.com, but if you use my URL, you're going to get their absolute lowest price. And I know because, Scott, I said that in a past episode, and someone in my audience found it like two or three cents cheaper a month somewhere else. I email HostGator. They said, all right, we'll drop your price too. So here it is, HostGator.com slash Mixergy. Two or three cents cheaper than any other location if you sign up using my URL, HostGator.com slash Mixergy. All right, what did, what did that first version look like? What were you able to do? You, you know, we were able to do basic calculations. I mean, basic calculations and tie them into your accounting system. So, I mean, our, we can't go to market on our own. We have to go to market with the people who create invoices. So your accounting packages, your your webs, I mean your uh your your e-commerce sites, your POS sites. So we had to go to to market and we did this with Microsoft called Microsoft Great Plains. That was our that was our first entree into the marketplace. Okay. And what did the so the software did that? How, how many customers did you launch with? Um so we we had this uh, we had the consultant that that was helping us do this whole thing and coming up with our idea because we were the, like one of the first SaaS companies, you know we didn't even it wasn't SaaS wasn't even the world it was a recurring revenue model, and and we wanted to be a little bit different and in our world accountants and people who are doing accounting packages was where we were and so they suggested Scott you've got to go to this this Microsoft show called Convergence. And it's in Orlando. And it's where all the people who are using Microsoft Great Plains come together for one, you know, one uh, event. And we're like, damn, we're in. Let's go. And, and we said, well, how are we going to be different? Because we wanted to be different by design. I mean, mm -hmm. really, we wanted to who? be the way the, nor the way the norm was happening. We were different because it was a SaaS recurring revenue model. We were different because we were using the internet as a cloud-based solution. We were different because, um, uh, you know, we, I mean, we thought of, we thought of ourselves as, you know, sort of counterculture to the whole accounting world. And so, so with all that in mind, the consultant came back and said, look, you can do a Zendesk, I mean, a Zen zone where people can get massages at your trade show booth, because we had a booth. And you can do it there. And I'm like, ah, I don't think that's really right. He said, but, you know, I just had Mr. Margarita come over to my kid's birthday party. And I'm like, Larry, I mean, you're only 40. I mean, I mean, your kids can't be old enough to have Mr. Margarita come by. And he's like, oh, no, no, it was a, it was a virgin mar margarita, but he came with a tiki hut. And so I'm like, we are in. So we took Mr. Margarita and invited him to the Orlando Convention Center. And, and, and we had a tiki hut and we started handing out margaritas to all the people who came into the trade show. Alcohol? I think it's illegal, to be honest with you. Um, okay. But I you did it I, anyway. We did it anyways. And, and by the way, I, I don't know Microsoft uh, Great Plains. It's like a, a pretty buttoned up accounting software. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, it was started in North Dakota by a guy named Doug Burgum, and it was sold to Microsoft. And 
And so, um, but, but, but anyways, yeah, it's a, it's, yeah, it this does not seem of, like the kind of crowd that is expecting a margarita maker with alcohol. Got it. And so of course you're making a splash there. So we walk in and, and I mean, we're the luckiest company on earth because when we went to the trade show, somebody had dropped out of a booth. They said, Hey, we don't want the booth. And they said, Hey, with Avalara, would you like the booth? Cause we're back in the North 40, you know, in the, in the thing. And, and this door, this one that we got, was the first booth that you came to when you walked in the trade show. And, and so the first booth you come in the trade show, a tiki hut, we had a talking parrot, a robotic parrot. I mean, you walked into this thing with, with margaritas, everybody's in orange, and it's the first booth you walk into. The line was out the, was out the convention center. Wow. Um, we called, you know, then we took everybody's name down and I would call, you know, them back because I was, you know, doing the, on the phone at the time. And they are like, um, I'd say, Hey, this is Scott McFarland. I'm from Avalara. You know, you came by our booth. We'd like to talk to you love, about, about sales tax. And they're like, Ava, what? I mean, who, who are you? And we're like, well, you came by our booth, the Tiki hut, you know, um, Oh my God, you guys are the coolest company that's ever been. And, and so it became our, our, our culture. I mean, we were surrounded around this concept of the, of the Tiki hut being fun, you know, Microsoft loved us because, you know, the, the people really digged our booth and, 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 you know, we were, you know, helping them with their image. And so it was really, I mean, it was really great. We didn't sell hardly anything at all. I think we sold five customers the first year, um, you know, as we, as we, as we did it. Uh, and I think, um, I, I, yeah, a, a bunch of them are still our customers today, 17 years later. And so, and so it just started growing from there. Nobody, nobody would tell us that the idea is bad. I mean, you know, the idea is great. Go for it. You may, maybe we're not really ready for it now. We, we just kept getting enough customers, enough partners, enough people. And then we just kept raising money. And, and, uh, and today it's now it's that, that company that we're talking about. It's and one of the ways you mentioned partnerships a lot, one of the ways that you get customers is you partner with the software vendors that they're already using to send out invoices like Microsoft Great Plains. People are using it to send out invoices instead of them personally calculating the um, the sales tax, your plugin automatically does it. Uh, you didn't have a partnership with Microsoft. You just built an integration. Was the first partnership, was it Sage? Was it Epicor? Who was it? And it how was Sage it? and Epicor. Sage and Epicor were the first two people that said, okay, we're going to build you in as our tax module. Um, and so when somebody says they have a sales tax problem, they say, okay, we're going to sell you, you know, the Avalara, you know, uh, the Avalara mo module. They called it, you know, Epicor, you know, tax module or Sage tax module. But that's, that's, that's how it was. And, 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 and today we have a thousand partnerships that are like that. How do you get a deal like that in the early days? Is it, it I guess they need you, but are they... Is it a big money thing? Is it about if I could, if you could give them a big percentage of your share of your sales, then they're going to say yes? Yeah, we, we had this idea that, you know, if we build it, they will come and it didn't really actually, actually happen that way. We, we build it and they came very, very slowly, but we were able to work with them because, I mean, people started to realize that tax was a thing, right? And our whole thing was, look at sales tax is going to go the way payroll tax went, right? 
because payroll has been automated. People used to do it themselves in their companies. ADP comes along, paychecks comes along, you know, pay, you know, I mean, they, they, that just, that just happened. And we're saying, look it, we're in the early days of the same kind of revolution. And, 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 and it, it took us a while to get, you know, the epicores and the sages, but I think that they were all in, in, in sync on it. And then we started sharing revenue with them. That was our model. We're sharing revenue with the people mm -hmm. who created invoices. We're doing a good job for the customers everybody's going to be a winner on this program. And, and, and we just kept getting, you know, get, getting more customers and more business and, and uh, just fighting through it. Scott, as we're talking, and I know we're coming close to the end here, everything sounds so exciting that you could see I'm getting fired up about your story. You told our producer that there, was, there were times when you were so full of doubt that you were literally in tears. When in this, in this company history did you get to that? And what brought you there? You know, it's so look at it, the the pressure of starting a company you know is is great and you know it doesn't always i mean it doesn't always go the way you think it's going to go i mean you know you 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 get going on, on it and you know your cause is righteous i mean listen we knew when we started this business we knew for fact if we executed sales tax automation was inevitable i mean and so we know what the end game is um, but along the way, you run into things like, okay, I don't have enough money to make payroll tomorrow. You know, literally I mean, didn't. It, it, what's that? You literally got close to not being able to make payroll. We did. You we did. did. What was it? What was it about that period in your company's history that that made that happen? What was going on then? You know, we we had a we had a program like today. It's just so different, right? You know, the the VCs and you can go out and raise big bucks at big valuations and the like. We were not that fortunate, right? I mean, so Jared and I put in our own money, you know, our parents put in money, our friends put in money, you know, when it was all said and done, I think we raised $30 million for friends and family. But it's just stressful to be, you know, to have all your friends and family invested in the company. It's stressful to always have to go out and get the money. Because, you know, we didn't, we didn't really want the, the pressure of a VC, you know, telling us what to do in the beginning. And, and then once we got into the VC world and you started to get more money, you know how you get almost, you get too big to fail. And so the pressure is different, right? The pressure to perform. But what was it? A, was it that you weren't growing fast enough? Was it that you were spending a lot on, on, on partnerships or what led you to a place where you were even worried about being able to pay back? Or, you to, know, if you look at return? all this, if you look at SaaS companies today, most of them aren't profitable. And so, and so the fastest growing people, the fastest growing businesses, um, you know, struggle to, to um, ha have capital. So what I mean by that is in the SaaS world, you are selling a, a, uh, a service and then you are getting the money ratably over the 12, the 12 months of that, of that year. So, you know, you, you're selling a lot. And you're getting a lot, but the faster you grow, you're actually losing money because it takes you way more money to get customers okay. than they're, than they're uh, bringing that's in. That's what it is. It was spending money to get customers. And the biggest expense for getting customers was what? Was, it sales wasn't online. Sales, sales, sales and marketing and, and, uh, and the like, right? I mean, all the things you know, that go into you know, cost of acquisition. And so the cost of acquisition is real. It takes you like two years to pay back you know, your cost of acquisition through uh, the revenue that you and, get. But and if your source for acquisition you, was? 
What's that? Where, what was your source of acquisition that was costing so much I money? I think our cost of acquisition, you know, oh, sorry, where was came it? from what? salespeople. It uh, would come from, you know, your, your marketing expenses, okay. you know, uh, you know, the go live, you know, the go live expenses. And so let's hypothetically, let's just say it costs you $15,000 to get a customer yeah. and they're, and they're, and you, and they're paying you $7,000 a year. It takes you two years to pay that back. But if they stay with you for 17 years, then everything after the second year is all profit. So the faster you grow, the more money it takes to grow and you go, you know, in the, in the, in the hole. So, um, but, but you're building an enormous revenue stream. You're building an enormous annuity base that recurs every single year. That's why the recurring revenue model works so well. And is that still true to this day? I think your net income is still is still negative, right? It is. It is to this because day because of expenses on marketing and sales and 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 all you know just just running you know just running the business. And so, in a growth period like you know, we just reported we had growth of forty five percent, you know, last last quarter. And I mean that kind of growth is is expensive, and mm -hmm. and and you get a hall pass on it because. It, if, as long as your churn stays really, really low, it's just, it's just, a, it's just compounding. It's compounding. So, anyways, I mean, that's what we were able to 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 demonstrate. That's what we were able to show, and and we were able to, you know, raise the money that we, you know, that we've done today to to build the business. And now you're a fifteen million dollar company, fifteen billion, excuse me, fifteen billion dollar company, and uh, and the stock just keeps going up from what I can see here. Let me close this out. With just one, I, I didn't even know how to fit this story in from your dad. There was a canoe experience. Can oh, shoot, yeah. I'm fascinated by your, by your dad. He seems amazing. He, he was, uh, I mean, he was a great role model. He was a great role uh -huh. model for, for me. And, and um, I think I told your producer this story. And, and I think it's one of the things that defining, the defining things in my life. Um, my dad had done this hundred mile canoe trip and he did it when he was like 18 years old with a group of people. And, you know, I always looked up to my dad and I wanted to do whatever he did. Right. I just wanted to be like that. And, and uh, so when I was, I think, 14 or 15, I mean, I convinced him to that we wanted to do it. And so with my cousin, who was the same age, you know, he dropped us off in this remote. I mean, remote. I mean, really, I can't explain to you how remote this is. I mean, there's just nobody around in Canada, northern Canada. And um, and uh, he dropped us off and he said, OK, in 10 days. We're going to pick you up over here, a hundred miles from here. Um, and, and um, he dropped us off by boat. Um, there was no cell phones, no phones, no people. I mean, you know, more bears around, you know, where we were than, than humans. And, and we did a series of lakes, you know, over this hundred miles. And so you can, you know, canoe maybe, you know, 10 miles and then you have to carry your canoe to the next lake. And there was no trails or paths. You, you know, you had to use a compass and a map and my dad dropped us off. I don't know what they were thinking. They would go to jail today. They would go to jail. I they'd think. go to jail They're, for just sending their kids to the grocery store by themselves, I feel. And, and it was like, we were so scared that we double timed the trip, right? <laughs> so where we were supposed to, you know, have lunch, you know, I mean, or where we were supposed to, you know, be sleep at the night, we had lunch. And so we were twice as fast. And, and, and then, you know, uh, we ended up getting, you know, done with the trip way early. And so now we had to wait five days. So we could, so we canoed home. 
Um, wow. So what do you take away from that experience? What I take away from it is here's a person who sees what you're interested in and is going to put aside his personal fear to let you go do it and to to make you better than most parents would even feel comfortable allowing their kids to be. Yeah, I, I really can't. I really I never really had the opportunity because my dad's passed away to ask him what they were thinking. Why? Why did he why did he do do that? Because to him, I think it was only natural. I mean, I don't think he was doing anything that he thought was un, was unnatural. He thought we were ready to do it. And that's what I take away from it, that my dad had great confidence in, 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 in my, and, you know, my upbringing and the, in the, in the, in the confidence to, you know, go out and, and to be able to solve the problems along the way. And, and um, I, you know, for that, I'm always grateful because, you know, I mean, you just can't have fear run your life. I mean, I mean, we were scared the whole time, you know, I mean, really, you know, so scared because we lost our canoe on one of the portages. And I mean, you know, I mean, we just did all the dumb things that you can do. And, but, but I think that it, it, you have to overcome fear. You know, you have to be looking for adventure wherever you can find it, you know, stories and things that you can tell people and that you can, you know, relate to people with. I, I think all those things are, you know, mixed up to them. My dad said one time, I said, you know, should I go to business school? And he said, son, you don't need to go to business school. I can teach you in 15 minutes what you need to know for the rest of your life in business. What I can't teach you how to do is be an interesting person. What I can't teach you is, is, is to have, you know, the desire to be, you know, to be better and, to, you know, to, to do it. So go get a liberal arts education, go, you know, go learn, you know, go learn the classics, you know, go, you know, go, you know, figure out, you know, economics. So you can talk to anybody. He said, that's the key to success is being able to relate to people and, and you should do everything in your power to be able to relate to them. So I've been on a journey of just getting as many moments, as many, uh, you know, adventures as I, you know, as I possibly can, because along the way, you know, you learn how to relate to people. Man, I I felt that from you right from the beginning. I don't know what it was. The camera wasn't on. I wasn't able to see you, but I felt I, I'm digging this dude. And I, I really appreciate you, Scott, being here. The website is avalera.com. And frankly, they, they don't even need to be on your website. It's just integrated into what they're already using. Yep, it is. It is. You know, we're going to do I don't know, billions and billions and billions and billions of transactions this year. So it's, a, it, you know, if you need help with, uh, you know, automating, a, you know, a real pain in the butt for you, I mean, Avalair is your, Avalair is your solution. So it's pretty cool. Thanks for, thanks for Thank having you, me on here. I enjoy it. I enjoy this. I enjoy the story. Thank you for being on here. Thank you everyone for listening. Bye everyone.